Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for another episode of 24, the penultimate episode of season five, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Written by Howard Gordon and Evan Katz, directed by John Kazar. It aired on May 22nd, 2006. That's Novak Djokovic's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday to the Aww. GOAT. Shut up, everyone. He is the best tennis player of all time. Uh, also on May, There's Jared here to wish him a happy birthday. Oh, Jared would throw shit at us right now. Uh, also on May 22nd, the first ever Rugby World Cup kicked off with New Zealand playing Italy at Eden Park in Auckland. That's topical right now at the time of recording this. Um, Apollo 10's lunar module flies within 8.4 nautical miles of the moon's surface. There you go. And the Great Chilean Earthquake hit Chile on this day in 1960, the most powerful earthquake ever recorded. 9.5 on the Richter scale. There you go. Um, but unfortunately, this episode maybe doesn't cause the same seismic issues. Uh, my name is Petty Officer Ben Waterworth, and I'm right-handed. Uh, and my name is Colin, and can you do that without talking? <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode is not a good episode of 24. Please tell me you agree. We're going to disagree oh, on this. Oh, fuck off! I- <laughs> I was, uh, uh, I'm not going to waste any time here. So I oh, uh, held no. off on watches. I pretty much assumed like last week, I'm like, oh, I did not like the last week's episode. I'm like, this one's Ben's been going on and on about how bad the penultimate episode is and everything. I remember next to nothing about it. Only when I watched this episode, there's one scene where I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely remember that part. Um, I'm not saying this is brilliant. Uh, I'm not saying there's not at least one huge issue I have with this, but one. This is fun. Like this is a this is an entertaining episode. Um, it's at least worthy of a rent, in my opinion. I mean, this this is not going to be even close to the best of the season. But uh, the opening sequence, longest opening sequence in television history. I mean, amazing. I I couldn't disagree more. I think this is the most filler episode of Twenty Four we've ever had at this point. This just feels so out of place. I'm not from disagreeing this. with that. This feels, <laughs> but it's good filler. It feels so out of place from this season, and even the opening sequence, which again we'll do this chronologically. It's kind of what we've been doing for the the last part of this season. It just feels so tacked on, and just like this is just almost your weekly episode of a show that's not so interconnected like Twenty Four, and it just the plot holes and just the things that make absolutely no sense. And then it just goes from this whole like terrorist plot of no reasoning to, Oh, back to that whole president thing that we need to get to. Remember that from two episodes ago? Um, this is going to be a fun episode then apparently. Um, uh, so like, even the, so the beginning of this episode, like literally it is, you see the terrorists walking around doing the things they were doing two minutes ago. And the magic of this Centox gas on this sub is that they can flush it within two minutes. <laughs> All right. CTU. Did they just flush it into Los Angeles? Maybe like the water is like. Gotta the, go somewhere. CTU. I'm sorry. Like you've got shit air conditioning. If a Russian sub <laughs> can do this within two seconds. And like, like literally again, like he threw this down into the sub. It killed everybody in two minutes and he's flushed it within two minutes. And you got petty officer, Tom Rooney, Tim Rooney. Rooney. Uh, in, in the. <laughs> Rory! Uh, <laughs> stop touching children. Um, <laughs> it's not funny, Ben. Uh, they did a, uh, a honest trailer for Ferris Bueller's Day Off in the last uh, couple of weeks. Oh, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it come out. It's quite funny. Um, but like, so he clears it off and then freaking Bieko has the most cheesiest, over-the-top villain speech that makes no sense at all filled with plot holes. He's all like, remove your masks. And like Julian Sands is hamming it up here. It's great. But like, he's like, 
for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Um, rest in peace, Darth Vader, by the way. And happy birthday, <laughs> Noah. Um, so he's on the thing. He's like, in just moments, we have selected all the high population density targets, financial centers, and the Americans will wake up to destruction. It is five in the morning, Julian Sands. I'm going to blow up Central Station. Sir, there were two deaths. Why? It's five in the morning. You could have waited three hours to peak hour. Uh, There's I'm also going- a curfew. Exactly. I'm going to blow up the financial capital of Los Angeles. Uh, so we're in LA. That's Wall Street, other side of the country. <laughs> and no one's at work. It's five in the morning. Um, and then he, the, the, the line that really bugs me is like, we will finish what we started. What you started was blowing up Russia. You decided to take these 14 hours ago and threaten a couple of targets because you were pissed off and a couple of people backstabbed you. This wasn't your plan. You were in a prison 90 minutes ago. You had no idea this was going to happen. Makes no sense. Um, and then the, the, the most cheesiest part here, I love you, Kim Raver, but oh my God, maybe it's just a dialogue here. But like this scene where she's sitting there and we get 30 seconds of her looking through a phone book. Okay. Um, <laughs> to which she calls our, our Colonel Admiral Captain guy from a couple of weeks ago, who I do love the way that he's just like staring into space and he turns around and he's like, Miss Reigns, I hear you want to call me. On a monitor where the box is like this big. Um, and to which she's all like, yes, Captain, uh, a Russian sub has been taken over and they're going to launch bombs. And he's all like, well, I have not heard of this. She's like, well, I'm telling you now. Uh, get some F-18s. He drags like a drop and drop file to her desktop. These are the coordinates. They can be there within 22 minutes. Now, I'm sure the military are trained very smartly, but like right now, if I called up Camp Magoo in LA and was like, hey, Captain Jenkins, uh, a freaking bomb is about to go off at the Staples Center or Crypto.com Currency Arena, whatever it's called this week. Um, how long will it take you to get those F-18s to destroy it before the nuke goes off? Now, I'm sure that even the most smartest Captain Jenkins in the world doesn't have that ready to go on his desktop to sim within two minutes. Oh, that's in 22 minutes. Also, how slow are F-18 Hornets? I'm sorry. I Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> These can fly at the speed of sound, can't they? Or like Mark III or whatever it's called. Like, I mean... Tom I'm... Cruise would have been there by the end of Kiefer Sutherland asking a question. They've got military bases near LA. This is the United States. <laughs> They've got military bases in every McDonald's. Like, I mean, they're fucking there. <laughs> 22 minutes. To which then the problems even persist even more. When Audrey's like, well, our simulations say that these are going to be launched in 20 minutes. You just found out that these have been launched five minutes ago. Like, gee, if you were this smart at predicting times and everything like this sort of stuff, you should have been ahead of this three hours ago, for fuck's sake. <laughs> this is, these are just the things that annoy me because it's so just tacked on out of nowhere and it's just cheap. And I think the acting in this sequence is bad. And then it's just one of these, like, lucky Jack Bauer situations where it's like, oh, there's four entrances, but we can't get in. Damn it. Ring, 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 ring. Hello, I'm a random survivor in the bottom of the ship. Can you help me? Oh, what a stroke of luck. Open the door, son. I have to kill someone. Well, you're going to have to do it for your country. Okay. <coughs> Dead. Door open. Yay. Save the day. America. America. <laughs> uh, again, like, it's a TV show. If this was realistic, half the world would be blown up in these shows by now. But it's just, I don't know. Like, this guy's an engineer. Like, I mean, he's yeah. stabbing a guy's like five times bigger than him. Um <laughs> The whole sequence, basically, Jack gets in the sub. He he um, ticket stubs someone in the neck. Um, <laughs> Henderson wants a gun. And again, it's just it's one of these like cheap 24 things, which again, I get it. In television, this is a weekly show. They need to kind of like bring the audience back in to remember what we're here for. So this is moment where Henderson is like, Jack, before we go in, just reminding you that once I go through with this, you're going to let me and Miriam go and we're going to disappear, right? Like you had that conversation 10 minutes ago. Um, for the audience, I get why they've got to do it. But anyway, so there's a fight. Um, Jack snaps Julian Sands' neck with his legs. He burns a guy's face off. Um, Henderson stops the bombs with like seconds to go. Like they don't even know where these are hitting. So like we get the president at one point here going like, well, uh, Mike, where are they going to hit? We don't know. Can we evacuate them? I said, we don't know. 
How do they know these? Where's those simulations? Exactly. Also, why is Petty Officer Rooney an American on this sub? I thought that this this is supposed to be Russian. I thought this was docking into Russia and it was an American crew checking it out. And also, secondly, um, by them bombing this sub, is that not an act of war against Russia? Like, (laughs) even if Russia detected a terrorist attack in Moscow on an American sub, they're like, okay, this American sub has been taken over by American terrorists and they're about to blow up the Kremlin. We need to blow up the sub. Like, that's still blowing up a piece of American military hardware. Still an act of war. I read this week that the Indian government have, like, murdered an Indian citizen in Canadian soil. Kind of an yeah, act of war, isn't it? Canadian politician, I think. Even. Well, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm, this is a plot of 24. Like, go <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Where's Canadian Jack Bauer? Get onto it. Oh, I'm sorry I shot you. But, like, anyway, I'm ranting and raving. They, they stop the, the attack. Yay, Jack Bauer. Yay, 24. I do love that when Henderson goes and Jack's going to, like, try and find Henderson. Got a little man bag. There it is. It's still a little satchel. <laughs> this is why the fans loved it, that even in action, he's climbing upstairs. Um, we never see what happens to Rooney, by the way. He's, like, hiding still on the sub. So, uh, anyway. And does Centox nerve gas, like, if you touch something on the wall, is it, like, slimy, you know, like, condensation and stuff like that? Like... Very quick, hmm. very good flushing systems. These that the <laughs> Los Angeles Harbor is poisoned for the next hundred years. Um, Henderson's doing a runner. He's like, "You're never gonna let me go, away, you, Jack?" And he's got his gun pointed because Jack gave him a gun. And Jack's like, "No, I was never gonna let you go." And bang, bang! Oh no, shock horror! He took the bullets out because we saw that happening. Um, and to win, Jack gives one of his coldest kills. He just point blank murders Henderson. Oh, we do see Rooney. He comes out of the thing here, and he's like, "Oh, you killed someone." I just want Jack to kill Rooney. Which is like, you didn't see anything. Um, in all seriousness, if this was any other season in any other episode, this would be almost a top five moment because it's a cold ass. I love this kill. I love Jack Bauer just coldly killing someone. I feel they're trying to go a bit Drazen-esque from season one in the finale here. That hits way better than this. But again, I've had my problems with the Henderson character. Had they got, um, what's his face here for longer and known that he was going to be for longer, I'm sure they would have flushed it out a little bit more. Um, but you know, it's yeah, but I would have flushed it out like Centox nerve gas in a submarine. (laughs) They, they would have, I mean, this whole section of the episode is literally the halfway point. This ends at 21 minutes or 22 minutes and a 42 minute episode. So, and, but even on the clock though, like you see the timer on 24, it's 21 minutes past. So technically you got 39 minutes of the hour to go, but for the episode itself, this is literally the halfway point. So I know I've Mm -hmm. breezed through that. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's cheap and tacky and probably maybe the worst action we've had in 24. It just feels so out of place. Um, I just, yeah. And it's just, it's so rushed. Uh, Not a fan, not a fan. So that's to me what is the large part of dragging this episode down and maybe the closing scene. I've, I've got some, I think decent defenses for this because I don't disagree with everything you said. Uh, First of all, just to clear up. So what these Americans are doing on here. This is part of the treaty they signed, which I guess is just we will inspect your submarines, you inspect ours. So uh, Russians are checking out all the American subs, and Americans are checking out all the Russian ones, just make sure everything's you know everything's up to code. Um, now, how Chief Petty Officer Rooney is in the right. only airtight compartment, or he's the only one who has the thought I can actually seal myself in off. Two like, I, that makes, <laughs> yeah, and and he is the least experienced person there, so that really shouldn't happen. There should be a better explanation for that. But uh, I'll start first with just some things I like about this. So I like the idea of Jack having to guide somebody through this. I mean, we've seen similar things before, you know, him having to coach Kim. Yeah, that was Kim or Chloe or anybody through, you know, these dangerous situations. Uh, But to me, this is like, it's a little bit more technical. I, I like when he's saying things like, all right, so I need you to, you know, go through this door and you need to, Sever it. Now the guy does it wrong because he says you need to cut really deep so you cut the vocal cords and the carotid artery. And then he just literally starts stabbing the guy. Now it works. But then Jack later on, when he's going after the guy, he does the exact same thing Rooney did. He just starts stabbing. I'm like, and you can hear the guy go, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, Jack, take your advice. Cut his vocal cords. <laughs> like Jack's learning bad habits here from Chief Petty Officer Rooney. <laughs> um but I, I like him having to guide somebody through the action because instead of this is probably Kiefer's mandate of less, you know, gunfights, have Jack actually coach somebody who's not necessarily but it doesn't make sense why this less experienced person is there, but I like that part of it. Um, anytime Jack and Henderson are on screen together, I think they're great. 
Uh, they, they definitely do hammer in the point over and over again. Now you're going to give me uh, a new identity, right? Yes, definitely. And I even love that Jack has like the pause. Yeah. <laughs> and Henderson's like, okay, good. Now give me a gun. <laughs> um, but I think the action is good. Like, So when you said this is one of the worst actions, because are you faulting it more so for the fact that it doesn't belong in this point of the season, this point of the show, or that the action itself, like remove where it belongs in the season. Do you feel the action is well filmed? Cause I thought <sighs> that the John Cassar filmed this like it was a movie. No, not overly because it's sort of it. I think the issue you have being in such a tight confined space and it feeling so rushed is that I don't get a, a gauge of distance and where people are. And it just feels a bit skewed. Oh, that's what I like about it. Yeah. Like, I, but it just feels like, the, the tension to me is not as, as strong as it should be. And it just, it feels like, cause even having fricking Bierko, like he's dumb goons when he's like, here's them knocking down a thing of spanners. And then he goes up to it and he's like, goons are hiding around the corner. Oh, I heard it. It was like down the corridor. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go down here. Come <laughs> with accurate. me. You are his goons. Fucking do his bidding. Like, uh, nah, I'm I not, noticed uh, that too. It's, it, it, that was really funny to me because Basically, there's a noise. He knocks something over, and then he goes to check it out. And there's a guy standing there, like, "Did you guys hear something?" They're like, "Yeah, boss, we did." <laughs> He's like, "All right, I guess I'll check it out." <laughs> but like, these guys had the right idea. They're like, "No, no, 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 no! I sent something bad going on here." Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think the action's filmed great. Like, I and I kind of like this close quarter thing. I mean, it, there's a lot of action movies that take place on submarines. It's not off like Hunt for October might be the only ones that actually has like a gun battle taking place in the middle of, but like that submarine is too big to actually have anything, you know, uh, you, I just really, you, really, you, really, you, really, you, really want to say something. Cause you'll get yeah. this joke. Now we haven't done the recap, but I know you said you watched Notting Hill. Just reminds me of that line in Notting Hill. It takes place on a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go on. <laughs> I played a psychopathic robot. Uh <laughs> Are there any horses in that film? It takes place on a submarine. <laughs> Or house of that matter. Our readers are equally into both. <laughs> uh, but, but like this close quarters thing, like to me, this is like from Russia with love train fight. You know, I love close quarters. You got nowhere to go. Uh, and especially this one where it's like, you don't know where they're going to be. Like how many levels up are they? Uh, but uh, you know, to me, the best parts is Jack guiding, you know, somebody inexperienced through this. I don't know how many times I'm trying to figure out what he did more. Did he utter the, the full title chief petty officer Rooney? more times than he called him son. Cause I swear mm. it was like, son, chief petty officer Rooney. Okay, son. All right, chief petty officer Rooney. All right, son. And then you're going to, why is he calling him son? And why is he saying his I full do, title? I do so love condescending time. Jack when he calls people son. Like he does that a lot <laughs> to right, younger son. people. Come on, son. Come here, sonny, <laughs> sonny Jim, <boy>. son. I <laughs> uh, can't wait next season to see if the villain calls Jack son. Uh, <laughs> people will know where he gets it from. Uh, but uh, too many spoilers. Uh, no, I, I think that this culminating in the Henderson death, like this does, I'm not going to say it saves it because I like everything up until this point, but that's something I thought that was part of the finale because that was one of the big moments that I love in this series. Now, I do think it takes it down a little bit that it's done in this episode, but I understand you had to do in this episode because you need the last one. To me, what this was, was this was almost carbon copy of the season four finale, you start off with this massive action sequence. It goes mm. for a third or half of the episode. And, but the problem we had with the season four finale, is like, but you got no time to go anywhere else after this. So then you rush everything else. So I'm kind of glad in a way, even though it diminishes like this showdown with Henderson, which is epic. Like it's, it's basically like an old West battle. These two guys, you're never going to let me go, Jack. No, I wasn't. And just the dialogue they have, like, I think I'm maybe a little bit bigger of a Henderson fan than you are. Cause I, I mean, you know, you, it would have been great to have Peter Weller, you know, committed longer so that you knew more to do with this character, but everything they do with him is fantastic. Like the way that, you know, Jack kills him and, or right before he kills him, he says, yeah, you do something like you do what you have to do. I think I wrote the line down here somewhere. You're never gonna let me go. Then he has the unloaded gun. Good for, yeah. Good for you, Jack. And then he said, you, you killed David Palmer and, and Michelle Dessler. Tony and Tony time. He remembers Tony this time. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then uh, the response he had, that's the way it works. Like just mm. cold. I, I love that. I do like that. Now line. this does have an extended scene, which there's maybe a couple extra shots after this. But the, the main thing is there are a couple extra shots after he shoots Henderson. He goes up when he's hovering over the body. Henderson's still alive. And he's basically like, gasping his laugh his breath and he says to jack go ahead do it and then jack continues to fire on him there uh now, now this thing with chief petty officer rooney again jack just looking like 
you know, very, very sinister walking past them. This is something that I wish they maintained a little bit. We talked earlier in the season, that idea that is Jack actually doing this for the country's best interest or is he all on a revenge mission? This almost feels like they wanted this to be the opportunity of Jack. This is just Jack trying to get revenge, which he does. He is getting revenge here. Um, but I don't remember that this becomes as much of a thing with the Logan part in the next episode. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but this would have been a great way to bring that back around to those first two or three episodes when there was those questions, Jack's killing people in cold blood, which he did in episode one. And now he's doing it again. Is he kind of, you know, going off script here? Is, is, is he, has he gone a step too far? And I don't think that they actually go that far in the, the next episode. Do they? I mean, he kidnaps the president of the United States. Well, I know what he, I know what he does, but that, that question in the audience's mind, is he doing this just for his own selfish motives because he wants revenge or is he doing it for um, anything else? No, I don't want to spoil it because I think if you don't remember next week, there's an epic twist, which if I don't want to spoil that twist because it will hit well, you. I know that I know how it, the season ends, which. But no, what I'm but saying, no, 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 that, no, no, right? there's, there's no, I won't. I, it, you're right and wrong. I'll just say that. Okay. Um, um, yeah. But I'm, not, I'm not talking about the end of the episode twist. There's another twist, which even I, when yeah. I rewatched it last year, I forgot how it went down. So, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, like it, it is something at least connecting that early part of the season. But let's just have that, you know, a little bit more throughout the season. Um, but this just being the longest sequence in, uh, I don't know if it was, yeah, you're it was right. 24, no, but I think it's television history. I don't, yeah, I'm reading that now. I, I think it might only at, at least 24, but yeah, this is literally the longest act of any episode, 22 minutes. This opening act goes I, for, which that's actually quite incredible. Yeah. And, uh, prior to this, I think it was, um, season two of alias. It was season one or season two of alias. I remember there was an episode where they had, it was between, I think, 17 and 19 minutes and let's say 19 minutes and it, it was this big news story where it's like alias had the longest cold opening in television history it was like 19 minutes before they got to the opening credits and this dwarfs that i mean you you think three minutes isn't that big but like no three minutes is a <laughs> huge chunk minutes. of a, <laughs> uh some of us <laughs> but uh that's a huge chunk of a television show you know that's a big percentage so i is it the, true the only other time didn't true detective do like some famous no, like... true detective had like uh the longest shot in television history right, right. i think that was a seven or eight minute long shot and it's like a massive action sequence like helicopters and everything uh but but yeah like th this is groundbreaking i think the only other one that comes close is uh I, I was reading here there's another uh act where where it's like 20 minutes in 24 i don't remember it's what season it is here, of but... uh, next season i believe six right yeah. yeah. So, but that's the end of the episode. I mean, we're starting an episode like this. I, 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 I like this opening stuff. I, I can still see some problems with it, but it's great. And it's something so like when they got to that countdown, I'm like, whoa, yeah, they haven't actually done a commercial yet. Like it caught me off guard because I was just so caught up in it. I actually hadn't, be honest with you, read the trivia of this episode until just then. So when it, I, I, it actually says in here about Henderson death being very similar to Drazen. And I honestly mm -hmm. hadn't even read that. So that wasn't me just stealing that from 24 wiki. But um, as they say, in this, uh, both men had the upper hand. Both found out that the gun was empty when they tried to shoot Jack and subsequently killed by Jack for revenge over murder. Uh, revenge over murder. And also, this I like this little one. Jack kills his opponents using a greater variety of methods in this episode than he does in any other episode. Gunshot, knife wound, burn wound, broken neck. Um, cool. I, do, I mean, I do like a good Jack-like Swiss Army knife of murder. Uh, it's not going to... Oh, he just needs to kill somebody with a handbag. Well, wait till he kills someone vampire style in two episodes, Colin. <laughs> Seriously, you, you got to remember that. Um, so, yeah, like I like your comparison. They're saying this is very similar to the finale of season four because it is. Like, it's sort of... We've got all that over and done with and now it just, you know, here's the next well, half the next of the episode. episode of Breathing Room. But this, again, is like where it just kind of does bother me because it's... Uh, like, it just... It's so tacked on back to the, what you said though, it's good that we have that extra episode of breathing room because like, while I'm going to love the drama we get next week between Logan and Jack and you need it, you do need it. And Martha. And Martha. It's just, it, I, I'm I, is Jack Bauer really going to kidnap the president of the United States? <laughs> like, like seriously, this guy is the biggest Patriot the U S has ever had since Bruce Springsteen. And like, I'm sorry, like he would respect the office to the point that he's going to kidnap the president of the United States of America. Um, as much as I love this extra twist next week, which if you don't remember, I don't want to spoil it for you. I will pinpoint next week that there were ways and means of doing that. But anyway, mm. point is that's, a, I don't know why that irks me so much. Cause it's so epic. Like it's epic that Jack Bauer would kidnap the president of the United States. And that maybe goes against what I'm saying. Like this is so against his character, 
But just this whole sequence here when he's all like, I love it when he's like putting his arms up, the Navy comes in and he, you know, acquisitions a vehicle and he's on the phone to Chloe. Chloe, I need you to uh, check those uh, coordinates for me. Uh, Jack, what are you talking about? I don't have those. Uh, go to line two, Chloe. Shut up. Go after the president. Grr. Um, <laughs> like, I love how Chloe's just so, kind of so cool with this. Yeah, all right. I'll help you out. Like, you're going after <laughs> the president of the United States? Like, again, this is all these people based on one recording think this guy is evil. We remember this in season two. It was fake. What if all of a sudden tomorrow, like, Logan's like, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. This was faked. And they're all like, yeah. oh, we're going after the president. You're all going down for treason. Um, but anyway. So have you guys never heard of audacity? You can make people say anything you want. <laughs> exactly. You know, imagine this being set in 2023 with, like, robot voices and all that sort of stuff now. Um, I do love it when... Jack, like, the, the Navy, like, shows up in the Navy. And they all show up. They're like, try to put your guys out. It's like, I'm Jack Bauer. I'm with CTU. I'm going to need a vehicle. Hello, Casper. Hello, Casper. You're Batman? Batman's a fascist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good, Casper. That's a Blue uh, Beetle quote, by the way. I don't actually think <laughs> Batman's a fascist. Uh, download our Blue Beetle uh, review. Now available. Um, but I love when Jack's basically just like, I'm going to need a vehicle. And this guy's like, subordinate get me a vehicle you arrived in like 30 Jenkins. vehicles can he just not have yours like i mean i i, I question when he's gonna get it back to him the casper pulls he's got a, a weapon here he's got a weapon Colin. <laughs> look out you gonna play tennis it's novak's birthday All right, yeah you... <laughs> that's right <laughs> this is an honor of novak <laughs> at least on the day this episode aired of course <laughs> but i i wondered like how did why don't they ask okay so how are you going to return the vehicle to us? Like, are you going to call, do you want me to leave you a cell phone number? Can you leave the keys in like the glove box and leave the car unlocked or something? It's got the Navy logo on it. When he pulls up to the presidential retreat, like it's got like, they're going to piece two and two together. The Jack Bauer. It's the like, Navy. It's the, the Navy's here in the Navy. Um, so he's going to go do that. Um, I kind of like this scene between Logan and Mike. Like One thing I'll say, like the Logan like Logan, my complaint is that he went so like hammy Bond villainy. I think what Gregory Itzen does in these last two episodes, I mean, there's a bit of it next week, a bit of the hamming it up, but like he kind of grounds it back to where Logan was. And yet at this point, you know, he's evil, if you know what I mean. So like, he's not going mm -hmm. over the top with this now. So it kind of feels more into character. So this little moment when he's kind of like with Mike and he's like, Oh, it's been a long day. Like, I'm going to go wait with Palmer's coffin. Let's get a speech together. Let's do this. Like, you know, you know, and this is kind of like the last innocence of Mike moment because Mike doesn't know at this point, of course, about Logan. So it's just kind of like a nice little scene between these two that kind of just brings you back to a point where you know Logan's evil, but it feels a little bit more, you know, realistic, I think, on base what we've known of Logan. And even Logan sort of has this kind of little reflective moment when he's kind of almost like looking at himself, like sort of through what's happening. Um Martha gets uh, Mike aside and is kind of like, come with me if you want to live. Uh, like, come see Aaron. Um, and I like this is a great scene because I love kind of Mike's like looking at her going like, uh, are you like fucking high, woman? And he's like, <laughs> I've never been more sober in my life. And Mike's just like, okay, I believe you. Um, so, okay. Um, Logan calls up uh, Graham. He's all like, hey, Henderson's dead. Yippee! He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anakin Skywalker now. And apparently like, there's just the one problem we've got to fix. That is Jack. Now, this is one thing that I don't know if I've ever really picked up on. Uh, so when Logan's like, don't worry, that's been taken care of. So that to me is leading into the big plot twist at the end of this season, which I think is actually yeah. really good. And yeah. again, I will question it because the ways and means of how Jack that happens to Jack, I would argue Logan doesn't know Jack's going to be at that location in about 90 minutes time. But... Still, I like that little seed that is sown there. If you know how this season ends, I'm like, ah, clever, clever. Um, clever girl. Clever girl. Uh, Martha tells Mike everything. Aaron's all bloody, shows the body. I just like, I want Mike here to just kind of just be like, oh, no, 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 no. I've fallen for this before. Um, I, you just wanted to murder him. Like, how do I believe you two? Like, how do I know that? Like, he wasn't just, yeah. you two are after the president. And like, he was trying to protect the president. I've fallen for this before. I know a recording evidence. I'm not falling for this. Bye. <laughs> like, come on. I, I just, I, I seriously, when they reveal the body, Jude Chikalala, he has this great reaction. He's like, oh, <laughs> but I just want him to be like, 
my God, Adams, uh, he had a wife and kids. He was just doing his job. He was four days away from retirement. What are you thinking? <laughs> this poor man, he was just a committed patriot. But he, he's, his reaction to the recording being deleted is like, oh God, no, here we go. I'm in too deep. But I do, I love this like whole sequence then when Mike is just kind of like, all right, uh, Aaron, we can get you off this round. I know Jenkins and Smith over at the Westgate. Oh, they'll let me throw bodies and all get in here, old scallywag. <laughs> um, we kind of get this like over the top farewell scene between Martha and Aaron, which like, it's sweet. I like it. And it's a lot of fan service. We'll get this sort of like, you know, togetherness in a bad episode next mm-hmm. season. But at the same time, like, I know your husband is evil, but you're still cheating on your husband. Uh, <laughs> just, just don't get me started. Um, I found it, Casper. Hello, Jamie. Oh, she found it. She found it. <laughs> the body of the weapon that was going on there. Um, <laughs> I, 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 so we were after the commercial. I'll, I'll give you a moment to talk here in a moment. But um, I love like the fact when Jack like calls up Mike here, and Jack's kind of like, "Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm trying to find." Aaron, uh, have you seen him? Um, like just calling up the chief of staff, like to find a secret service agent. And also how quickly does Mike and Aaron get to like a field where they're like burying, what are they doing with this body? They're just digging a hole. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're not very good at covering up the bodies. You're the United States government. Like <laughs> you made bodies disappear before. I'm sure. Um, so like basically they bring up and this is basically Jack going like, Hey, so I'm coming to the ranch. I'm going to confront Logan. Uh, and again, Mike has found out five minutes ago, Aaron is still a Secret Service agent. He's sworn duty to protect the office of the President of the United States. And Aaron's like, oh, yeah, coming on board, Jack. Like, <laughs> two people control the complete security detail of the President of the United States? Um, yeah. Karen has been transferred to Washington. Um, Buchanan is all like, oh, you're going to be next. Like, cool, whatever. And then this is where Chloe comes in. And, like, I'll, I'll cap it when we get to Miles here. But, like, basically, Chloe's all like, hey, so, um, doing some files, uh, unlocking some sockets. Gonna need some help. Can you sign in, Miles? Miles? Uh, Morris. You keep calling Miles. There you go, Morris. Morris. Thank you. (laughs) M, too many M's. I'm, you know, M. Uh, (laughs) Martha, Martha. Morris, Miles. (laughs) Um, Mohame. What's Hame? Hamey? No, that's. Jaime. Listen to our Blue Beetle uh, recap. Marwan. Marwan. There we go. Madonna. Um, (laughs) So so Madonna's showing up here. And uh, I love how Bill's kind of like, oh, really? Morris? But he. He's not on the government payroll. No, he sells shoes in Beverly Hills. Just sign off at a <laughs> bill, you idiot. And to which then they walk out. And then I love um, Karen's all like, who the hell is Morris? <sighs> Chloe's ex-husband. Like, it's just, ah, oh, this is just so tacked on. Like, I'm not taking away from Morris because there are redeeming qualities about this character who's in entertaining and enjoyable. But like, wasn't it... Um, Famously, it's Scrappy-Doo, right? Like, this is one of these jump-the-shark yeah. moments where it's like, let's add a random character out of nowhere. It's the soap opera trope of, I've got a twin brother that I've never talked about for 18 <laughs> seasons, but we need to add some drama to the plot. Like, it's just nowhere has it ever been remotely implied that Chloe was married or this or that. It's just so... Like, why does this have to be her ex-husband? Can't mm. this just be like... Ex-boyfriend. Ex-boyfriend. CTU agent. That in the off-season, they fall in love. They had a fling. They whatever. We've already established this season that Chloe's not opposed to, like, sleeping with someone at the office. Like, she's like, oh, I haven't done it again. This was another mistake. Like, (laughs) it's just, uh, it just, it annoys me. And then you've kind of got, like, Mr. James Bond here flirting with, like, hey, so if you're filling these (laughs) codes and I'd like to fill in your code... And then, like, Chloe's just like, oh, damn it, Morris, you're doing this. I, I saw you picked the most attractive one. Wrong, my dear. You're the most attractive one. <laughs> like, he's great. Like, he's fun. And then kind of there's that line when she's like, oh, I need to get to, like, 0.6 gigahertz of this, but you can get to 0.8 gigahertz. Can you do this? Like, oh, that'd be a terrible waste of my charm. Like, it's, <laughs> you love that. Like, it's entertaining. But it's like, who is this guy? Like, yeah, it's very late in the season to be introducing it's, a new character. It's the second half of the penultimate episode of the season. Oh, by the way, Chloe was married. Okay. Um, sure. Um, I'll cap it there. I'll cap it there at uh, Morris getting introduced. But um, I mean, like there's stuff here that like I complained the first half was so tacked on and poorly acted. This is 
there's good scenes, it's good acting, but to me this episode just is, is lost redeemability because there's also a scene at the end which I absolutely hate, but I see why they do it. Um, is it because somebody has to get laid? Is that why they do it? Oh, uh, yeah, don't get me started. We're thinking about the same thing. That was the one that I'm going to have a problem with. Uh, but I, best acted scene in this episode is the scene between Martha, Mike, and Aaron. I mean, and it has more to do just with uh, Martha and Mike than it does Aaron. No, not taking anything away from Glenn Morshower, but uh, um, the reactions that Judy Chikalil has, even the way that she she phrased it to him, it's like, you felt for a long time like there was something off. It felt very like um, Morpheus and Neo in the Matrix. Yeah. It's like, you've always felt there's something too, off with the world. <laughs> Which pill do you want to take? Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's great because we've sort of seen these very small reactions from Mike throughout the season. And even that that commentary I mentioned a couple of episodes ago where Jude Chiclo was saying like, yeah, like he obviously knows something's going on, but he's not speaking up because last time he did, he took the blame for something he didn't do, you know? Uh, but um it's a great scene. I don't know if I love how quickly they just come together and say, all right, let's join forces, you know, on three team, assemble. three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Ted Logan's assemble. Uh, <laughs> it, it happens a little bit too quickly. Like as much as we will have the next episode uh, for a little bit of breathing room here, maybe introduce this at the end of the last it's... episode. I mean, that would be great. To, you give the audience a chance to digest because Sometimes we forget, yes, it's supposed to take place back to back and we're analyzing it. But when you're watching the end of one episode and they're saying, this is what's going on with the president. And then you come back a week later, you're not questioning as much as how quickly Mike just decides to turn off. It's a great point. And just really quickly on that, I think that like, again, another one of my issues of Jack Powell's going to go take down the president. I'm sorry. Even if you're fucking Jack Powell, are you going to be able to within half an hour formulate a plan to kidnap the most yeah. protected person on the planet? Like make this like the last six episodes. Like, okay, the, the, the thing's been destroyed. What are we going to do here? Like, it sounds on paper, like, oh, six episodes of planning. But, like, you've mm -hmm. got to get point A, point B, point C. The whole second half of season two was them trying to prove a recording was real. And yet they somehow mm -hmm. made that work. I would argue you could do that and then don't tack on, oh, extra Centox nerve gas, extra this. And this is, again, just pointing out there into the universe. As much as season five is a revered and beloved season, often regarded as the best ever, as I think when it comes to my rankings in a couple of weeks, you'll see... I think there are many issues that get overlooked in season five because it does have rose-tinted glasses on it, whereas I feel season one gets overlooked because a lot of people just forget about that season and move on to this stuff because this is the stuff that they love, whereas saying it now, spoiling it in a couple of weeks, season one to me overall does it better, even though that does have issues as well. I uh, this, this has less to do with um, you know season five versus season one, but I was actually thinking while watching this about there are issues in season five that people don't usually talk about. But then I started to think all five seasons we've watched so far have certain issues. I think that in comparison to say season three versus season one, I feel like season three, some of the things they get wrong are like, these are major plot points. Whereas season one, almost everything season one gets wrong is the side stories. Yeah. It's, it's the unnecessary stuff. They thought you needed this for television. So I think I give a little bit more grace to season one because they were battling against what the norm of television was. Uh, and I guess some of that you can you can hold for season five. They have some of the problems with season five. It's a combination. Some of them are the B stories and some of them are the major stories that, you know, you just you had too many ideas and you tried to fit it all in there. But personally, I think that season five overall accomplishes it a lot better than season and one. one. One thing on that, though, you're right. Um, I think season five has less B stories. If you actually really analyze yeah. season five, there's really limited B stories. It's just what they do with them feels cheap and tacked on and just absolutely whatever. Cause I mean, you know, yeah. even the family drama, like even the Sean Aston stuff earlier on was really miles and Kate. Mara. Related, yeah, exactly. Like kind of all related to the plot. They tied mm -hmm. it in bigger picture. Even oh, Connie Britton. Remember Connie Britton was in this season. <laughs> like even that, like, I mean, that feels many moons ago. It really was. That was the beginning. You, you literally forget Connie. Oh, don't, I don't want to out of the words, forgetting Connie Britton. Is she sentence. following anybody yet? Oh, of course not. She's Connie Britton. <laughs> I just want to make a t-shirt. first followers. Somebody might be following you except for Connie Britton. <laughs> I'm checking it right now because I want to see if she's actually no zero following. Nice. What a woman. Uh, seven hundred thirty thousand. I don't remember what it was earlier on, but seven hundred thirty thousand followers. Is she amazing. the only person like on Instagram with that amount of followers who doesn't follow anybody? Like, oh, she surely. has to be. Yeah. Taylor Swift follows people. Oh, of course she, she does. All ex or boys, she's trying to hook up with. She can write a song <laughs> about them. I love you so much. They broke my heart. Shut up. Oh, future album material. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that Mike. 
comes to this a little bit too quickly, but I think it's partially saved through Jujicalillo's performance over the last couple of weeks where you start to see him being like, uh, something's not right here. It's Jack's plan that I have a bit more of an issue with because Jack already has decided I'm going to take down the president. Even if he hasn't verbalized it, he's calling Mike to find Pierce. But then I even forgot, well, Mike, Jack doesn't know Mike's in on this because he's been like, uh, yes, can I speak with Agent Pierce? Yes, Jack, you're on speakerphone. You can speak freely. He knows. But like Jack's already got this plan taken to the president. So he's going to do it just with a secret service agent. Yeah. Does he even know that Martha's in on it at this point? I don't think he does. I think he thinks that Aaron Pierce is his only ally in taking down the president. And he hasn't spoken to him for hours. So I don't quite get how Jack comes up with this entire plan uh, altogether. Um, yeah. The, the rest of the Martha stuff that'll be coming up later on that I have issues with uh, Morris. That This is interesting because I, uh, I love Morris as a character. But I always remembered the season five introduction rubbing me the wrong way. And I think part, I think you you reminded me of it right there when you were saying like, you're bringing this guy in, who is he? Is he Chloe's ex-husband? And I think that it wasn't the fact necessarily that you're bringing in this now major character for the last one and a half episodes. It's not even two episodes. I even said last week, I assumed he was in like the last four or five episodes of the season. It's It's barely, you know, even two. But it has more to do with that you make him Chloe's ex-husband and you clearly make it where these two don't necessarily get along and that there are issues with Bill where I'm assuming you're bringing in another villain. So I'm already looking at him with those. You talk about the, the rose glasses. I'm looking at him with Tony CPI. glasses season one right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, Oh, this is going to be in the next mole. There's going to be something bad with him. And I think that's why when we were going into season six and I was thinking, Oh, this guy's going to be back. I'm like, Oh, really? Because I just figured, oh, it's all going to be the same thing again. He's going to be the next mole, or they're going to make him really suspicious, or it's going to be the other way around. They're, they're trying to trick you. But then they kind of do something different with Morris, where he's like, no, he's just he's a, he's a bit of an arrogant guy. He's fun, though. Uh, and maybe because watching this the first time around, I was assuming so many things about him because of how they brought him in. I wasn't quite realizing like how incredibly entertaining he is in this episode because like half the quotes i have are him like everything he's doing like yeah it's cheesy where he's hitting on the one i think the biggest issue with this is that chloe over the course of a few minutes has made a call hasn't gotten the sign off she admitted herself she even said when when she brings more said i'm shocked that bill let you back mm. she wasn't even necessarily expecting them to sign off on it but he's already in the building hovering over stations yeah like how did he get in there i don't understand uh, but like him hitting on the woman, like, you know, oh, yeah, that's why I picked the most attractive one. Uh, it's the, the thing about the fact is like he's currently selling women's shoes in Beverly Hills. It just reminds me of that Tony, I'm currently unemployed thing. Uh, that is but, a funny uh, line. It, it's great. Uh, but but it, the best part to me is uh, the, the, this back and forth where they have um, uh, her saying, oh, yeah, you know, I need you to do this. Can you do it without talking? And he says, well, that would be a terrible waste of my charm. <laughs> It's just they're they're both hitting these. I mean, I'll talk about the actor in a second, but they're both hitting like these one-liners. I'm like, this is great. Like, if I hadn't had all these assumptions about what this character was going to be, watching the first time around, I probably would have like loved Morris from minute one. But the actor Carlo Rota, so he's uh the accent would fool you, but he's actually Canadian. Um, not born in Canada, but he basically lived almost his entire life in Canada and almost his entire career here in Canada. So he's actually become a much bigger deal outside of 24 here. There was a TV show he did after he was gone from 24. We won't say what happened, where he goes from 24, but uh, uh, it's a show called Little Mosque on the Prairie that was like a, a comedy series that is literally the title. That's about a little mosque in Saskatchewan or whatever. Uh, and he was the Italian Canadian actor starring as a Muslim on that show when the rest of the cast was actually, you know, uh, real Muslims, they cast this one Italian guy where but like nobody ever complained about it because like he can pass for anything. He did a good accent and all that, but really funny show. Um, I actually just after watching this episode, I rewatched the first episode of little mosque on the prairie. And I'm like, that show's fantastic. I mean, it, it's great Canadian comedy, but there's one part in there, which would have been great where there there's, uh, a scene that takes place in like a sermon in this mosque or whatever in the opening episode. And this guy's just basically finding things to complain about everything. And he's talking about, you know, television, American Idol, Canadian Idol. We should have no idols. And then he's saying like desperate housewives. What are they desperate for? They're living out what, what uh, a woman's role should be. <laughs> it's just great. Wow. Uh, but he even had another show after that. It's like a reality show called, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called, like back in time for dinner, I think it was. Uh, and it, it's uh, like, I guess, based on a British series, but he did the Canadian one where they take a family and every season 
they basically redo their entire house. They make them live an entire week in a decade. So you have to only have home entertainment from the forties this week. And you're wearing all forties clothes, even if you're going to school or work and all your meals have to be prepped. My mom used to watch shows. This used to show like 1900 house where a family would have to go into a house and live like the 1900s. Yeah. It's, it's probably like, it's probably the same thing. Cause I read up that this show was like, it was a British show that's been adapted, but like the Canadian version of he hosted and he's a, he's a really funny guy in real life, but yeah, I'm very excited to have Carlo Rota and Morris O'Brien on the show here, but why does he belong in this season? Cause I don't even think like, yes, he does things like Chloe has him there for a reason, but did they absolutely know we want to lock this guy up for next season and introduce him now? Like, it just feels like there's no purpose to bring him in unless you know he's going to be in next season. But then just bring him in next season. Like, it throws the audience off, bring him in here. Just looking through his film. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I love here just looking through his filmography. He was in Canada, a people's history. Um, <laughs> Anna Green Gables, the continuing story. Uh, Mission to Mars. Remember those two Mars movies they had in like 2000? Oh, yeah. He was in Mission to Mars? Wow. Um, but he was in one of the Saw movies. But yeah, as I've alluded to a couple of times, he was in Breaking Bad, one episode of Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. So if people remember in Breaking Bad when Jesse is sort of being held down in Mexico to make the drugs, um, season five, I believe, he's kind of the scientist who basically Jesse's like going like, no, this I can't work in these conditions. Like, do this, like, turning full on Walt, even though he hasn't worked with Walt for a while. So, um, yeah, he's like in one episode of Breaking Bad. I thought he was in Californication for an episode or two, but I'm thinking of the other bald guy. <laughs> the David sidekick uh, in that. He was in Lost, that guy, um, but a completely different actor. There's a Canadian sci-fi show called Dark Matter, a really great show that um, I think I've mentioned because Roger Cross, that was like the most recent thing he did. Uh, but it, he did a couple episodes of that. Well, I don't remember him on the show, but I, I like the idea that like Roger Cross and uh, Carla Rhoda have done something else. Together. I worked with you on 24 <laughs> and now I work with you on Dark Matter. <laughs> well, the, the other guy that I was just mentioning, the bald guy, Evan Handler, was in last season of 24. Of course, he was the lawyer for. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, just quickly as well, before I move on to the last bit, I just went down a rabbit hole of random celebrities on Instagram. So I'm like, oh. Joe Biden follows people. The royal family follows people. The White House follows people. Like all of these really super uber, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, the most famous people on Instagram follow people. Somehow I went down in a rabbit hole and I ended up on Megan Fox. She does not follow anybody, Megan Fox. She has 21.5. She has 21.5 million. So, um, but like, how about, how we put this in the universe? Connie Britton and Megan Fox follow each other just just have this like <laughs> just qu- do it. queen like zero follower club that you know like I, I i don't dislike megan fox i've only seen her in transformers i can't say i've seen her in anything else um but yeah good on i mean connie britain up here just, megan fox down here so you know what connie britain needs to do she needs to make that deal with megan fox and then as soon as megan fox follows her she unfollows her so she's like no 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 now i'm the only one nah sucker i'm i'm queen zero followers um so basically, the last part of this episode is. Um, oh, this is the worst. This so, is I. I all agree with you here. My biggest issue with this. So basically, what has happened here? Jack has showed up at the ranch, and he's all like, "Hey, so um, can you get me a secret service agent?" Aaron's like, "No." Like, all right. Uh, what about the helicopter? Is he going to be on Marine One? No, he's going to be on this helicopter because it's going to be very last minute. And th- these are, these are plot holes because, like, basically, we heard that. His uh, Palmer's coffin is going to be flown out, I think they say, like near 7 o'clock, like half past 6, 7 o'clock. It's still ages away. But Logan's all like, oh, I've got to get in the helicopter. Got to go make my speech. Do, 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 do. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. It's like, well, you're not going to be there for another certain amount of time. And based on next week, you're going to get delayed. So, I mean, you know, there's obviously not, not much of a rush. So there's no reason why he has to rush out of here so quickly. Um, and... Again, I'm not, you know me, I'm not one of these people to like talk about like cheapening a character based on their gender or anything. I think this is terrible that they basically imply that the, maybe the strongest female character on this show this season has to resort to sleeping with someone in order to delay Mm. them. Like, I think that just cheapens her. Like the the only way to get to Charles is through his dick. Like, I don't don't, like this. Well, that'll disagree. I I don't think it cheapens her. I think it cheapens the entire tension of the scene. Cause what I think is under the surface here is that these are, this is a couple who's obviously very much in love, but probably have not, they haven't had any private time in quite a while. I think that's what this is more about, but it, it doesn't play well at all. It doesn't play like there's any type of tension in it. 
uh, the first half of this stuff I actually like. I'll, I'll let you talk about it. But yeah, th- that that one part, I'm like, ah, I don't think it cheapens her necessarily. <laughs> I just want Mike to start flirting with Logan. So it's it's been a while. <laughs> That's touching. Because like, you hear Mike say like, oh, oh um, I tried to delay him, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that line makes more of a plot hole as well. Because like, Logan's not dumb. So... Surely Logan's going to put two and two together. Like Mike's trying to delay me. Now Martha's trying to delay me. Like, again, even then I get it. Like, oh, he's a horny man who hasn't been, you know, oh, men. I mean, it cheapens men as well. Like, oh, men only think with their dick. So they're always going to be there. Like, I'm sorry, if I'm the president of the United States, I'm not going to do this shit. Like, I'm feeling guilty. I've killed this fucking former president. I'm going to be standing over his thing begging for forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, basically what's happening here is Jack saying to Mike and Aaron, everybody, you've got to delay the president. I can't sleep with the president. Mike can't sleep with the president. Hey, get the first lady to. So the way that they're going to delay the president from getting on this helicopter so Jack can find a way to get on the helicopter is Martha's going to be flirty, flirty, pull out a boob and basically have sex with her husband. Now, one thing I will give these props for, it is maybe the most uncomfortable scene in all of 24 history. And I think that's deliberately done on many levels because Martha, as she kind of goes into this room and is like, hey, so, you know, that whole thing about how I said I hated you and I didn't love you? Kidding, let's fuck. Like, <laughs> it's it's uncomfortable and you see that from Gene Smart's face when kind of like Logan's on the phone going like, hey, do not disturb us. Wow, wow. Like, <sighs> and she's kind of got that look on her face and you've got that real like, music in the background which kind of makes it like it's meant to be creepy and again no disrespect mm-hmm. to Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart like we don't really want to see people of like it's like watching your grandparents have sex here like it's kind of like oh, like it's 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 uncomfortable but that's what it's- would, would you rather would you rather Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart or uh Jane Atkinson and uh James Morrison oh James Atkinson and James Morrison bone like hell there hands down absolutely because yeah. I mean like again no disrespect to the late great Gregory Itzen Gregory Itzen is just laying there pumping like like James Morrison and, and Jane Atkinson have got some chemistry. They're going fucking hammer and tong. That's good sex. <laughs> like, I mean, sorry, like just no disrespect, Gregory Itzen. I'm sure you're a very tender, loving man. Um, <laughs> you were James Bond technically. Um, so anyway, it's uh, like, uh, it's uncomfortable, but then like, and even like the plot, like the cliffhanger when, um, is it Mike on the phone to Jack when he's just like, Jack, how far are you going to have to go here? Is whatever it takes, uh, doot, 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 like Jack Bauer versus the president. Okay. Um, I, I just I just think it cheapens the characters. I don't like this. It's just, uh, and it makes me cringe just even thinking about it. But again, it's very well acted. Like Gregory Itzen yeah. and Gene Smart do this very, very well. And Gene Smart in particular, the way she kind of like is uncomfortable with this. You know what I mean? Like, and she's kind of having to do it. And even like, I love Greg Ritson's like facial expression. Like, oh, what are you trying mm-hmm. to say here? Ho, ho, ho. Chicka, chicka, wow, wow. I feel that's Jamie whenever like you imply <laughs> that you're going to have sex. You are Martha in this situation. So, Jamie, I was thinking. And Jamie's like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Casper, hold my calls. <laughs> <laughs> Do not disturb me for the next. The thing that is hilarious about this, though, is from memory next week, he's done in like two minutes. I think like you literally cut to I would assume he is in two minutes and you literally see him like getting dressed. All right, get the helicopter ready. That's why this is a plot hole. Like the, how is the, if it's been this long, if it's the way that I'm oh, reading this scene where it's like, oh, it's been a very long time since they've done this. And that's why <laughs> get, she would get me Viagra plan. one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, I mean, the first half of the scene I think is great. It's her stalling him with the apology and all that. And it's because of her performance. Like it is, it is so convincing that, you yeah. know, you would assume, especially Logan, but anybody is going to be looking to pick holes in this. That's why the whole thing, Mike was trying to delay me. She's trying to delay me. That's why I think this works better. If you just kind of stuck with the apology, you can still evolve into them having sex or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying I want to see them evolve into having sex, but but the better way to do this is she's doing that apology because she is so convincing in her apology. We're like, I buy this. And I buy that she's doing this not as in like, I was 100% wrong and you are 100% right because you're the man. Uh, it's more just like, I don't like it, but like, I understand, you know? Uh, and I'm sorry that that it came to this. Uh, the, the way that also he has that, that uh, line, that reaction where he said, you know, you've said horrible things to me before, or I've had horrible things said to me before. 
by you. He doesn't even say some of the by you. He's like, by you. This is the only thing that I, you know, I can't get over is you saying that like you, you wouldn't forgive me or whatever it was. Um, I mean, it's, it's really powerful watching both of them in this scene, but you don't transition then to, it's like, but I'm saying I want to make it up to you, right? Your dick out. <laughs> Have her like breaking down. Like that's something that he's had to deal with. And he would not just walk out if she's breaking down and she's in tears and then have her while she's in tears, you know, all of a sudden start like feeling up a little bit, like have this be like this, 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 you know, makeup sex or yeah. whatever, like not don't have her proposition him and say, so do you think that you can delay that plane a little bit? Cause I'm feeling a little horny. No, just have this be like, a, you know, a, a, the heat of the moment thing Yeah, that I would buy. It's just, otherwise it just, to me, the cheapest thing of both is, is like, the president's going to get taken down because he hasn't gotten laid in six months? Like, seriously? It, it, it doesn't make her a weak character to have her proposition with sex. This is a, that Mission Impossible 2 line, uh, you know, to go to bed with a man and lie to him. She's a woman. She has all the training she needs. Like, that. that's, that's a great line. That's kind of what she's going with here. But, like, do it in a more convincing way because she goes from being so convincing to suddenly be like, anybody would see through this. It's just cheap. Have a lot of license it, uh, uh, living daylights with um old Booby McGee when she just like grabs to distract Booby her. She's <laughs> hitting the boobs and starts slapping him. Oh, man, terrible. <laughs> yeah, there's just, I think there were, you could accomplish the exact same scene just in a better way. Um, Jamie just sent me the Mr. Scorpio uh, episode of the Simpsons thing here where he's handing me sugar. Sorry, it's not in packets. Want some cream? And just, uh, no. I don't know why she sent me that, but good episode, <laughs> is that, Jamie. Is, that, is uh, that her way of you want some cream? I'm hearing you talk about <laughs> sex droughts. Want some cream. But, uh, yeah, to me, this episode, it would have been at least five, ten spots higher on my rankings if it wasn't for this last scene. And this is my point about, like I think I was saying about this being the penultimate episode. I mean, it's a complete role reversal of last season. I mean, last season, the penultimate episode to me was far superior than the finale. Uh, and this well, is kind of the other way around. I mean, I didn't bin last year's finale, last season's finale. But like, if I'm not mistaken, if I can quickly go through this, is this the lowest finale Um paper or are there worse finales oh well, no. what, what am i talking the, about the here? second to last episode or yeah the, the penultimate episode sorry okay so scrolling through my list here really quickly um no to me i think the worst episode in the history of 24 is the legacy finale uh <laughs> as a, a penultimate episode by the way sorry uh i have season seven oh, okay no there is plenty worse but this might be the third worst I... Out of five seasons, I have rented, I haven't been to any episode 23s, but I've rented one other one and it was season two. Uh, I, and I already said at the beginning of this, like, this is, to me, this is a rent. I'll spoil it now. Um, well, I'm binning it. Um, okay, so to me, this is overall, this will be the fourth worst penultimate episode because I will be binning next season's um penultimate episode the following season's penultimate episode and legacy's penultimate episode and i have all three of those below this so there you go uh but no this is a bin from me just not a fan so it's the it's the best of the second half it is <laughs> or maybe maybe not well we this know. is the second lowest of this season um for me as well wow. I've, got, I've got this at 115 out of 119 episodes currently of 24 um but it will end up at 180 Overall, out of 216 lists for me. Uh, and for reference point, penultimate episode of next season will be 205th. Uh, penultimate episode of season 7 will be 208th. And penultimate episode of Legacy will be 216th and last. Well, so where where is this your cur on your current rankings? Currently, this is sitting at the ripe old spot of 115th, the second lowest of the season. I have uh, episode 10 at 117th. Um, yeah, episode 10 is not that low for me. I don't, I can't even see episode 10 right now. Uh, you know, I was kind of like gasping at your, oh, it's the second lowest of the season. I'm like, oh, but it's actually my third lowest of the season. I actually quite enjoyed this episode. Um, last week is lower than this for me. I had last week at 89. This is 85, or now last week's 90 for me. So this is 85 for me overall. Uh, and the only one I've binned all season was episode 20. Mm. Uh, so I've got a 16 by five rent. Uh, or 17 by five rent and one bin so far this season, which was actually, I, I was looking through my season four. That's actually not that far off from where I was at season four. I think the biggest difference being that, you know, with season five, I have so many episodes 
in my top 10 and top 15. And I don't think I, I'm trying to see if I have any season four episodes that are that high. I've got one season four episode in my top 10 and two in my top 15. How far Meanwhile, is... season five, three, four, uh, five, six. I got six, uh, six out of my top 15 are season five episodes. How um, far is episode one drop down now? Uh, episode one is still in my top 10. It's number oh. 10. So it only dropped like one spot. Technically. Probably going to drop a spot next Two. week though. Hurts my heart. Um, next week's finale. Great finale. Um, I, according to my overall rankings, this will be the third best finale we ever get in 24. There you go. Um, so yeah, great episode. I mean, there are issues with it, but I think the Logan Jack stuff, even though it's silly in many levels is still fantastic. Um, and yeah, the, the twist at the end, I never saw it coming. And I think it's one of these payoffs that without giving it away for people who haven't seen it, there is a lingering question over this season, a big, you would argue a plot hole around this season. The reason why Jack had to fake his death, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. that has not it's been... a payoff for longtime fans. Exactly. It has barely been addressed. It was mentioned maybe like two or three times this season in passing. So when you get to this moment at the end of the next week, it is a massive payoff. Uh, so I think that is a strong element. But, I mean, yeah, there are two scenes next week that potentially can fight for our top five. This is going to be a very hard season for our top five. But, um, yeah, it's a fantastic episode. Um, after a couple of sort of sour notes, we're, we're back ending it on a high. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to do you. I mean, I know you said you haven't watched it. I know you said you've got limited memories of it. Yeah. But uh, do you remember anything mm, around this? I, I remember quite a bit about the episode. Um, I, I think for me, the it's been probably over 10 years since I've seen this episode. Um, I thought that the Henderson part was part of this one. Uh, I do remember at least uh, I'm thinking it's in this episode. Well, kind of has to be because we're running out of options. But Maybe the strongest scene Gene Smart's ever had in the history of the show, just watching, I think it was in the finale and a Gene Smart scene and being like, give this woman the Emmy. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously we're we're going to have, it's all going to be about Logan now. I, I think that, yeah, that, that, that end of the season thing, they found a way to kind of take the last minute twist and it's not, we're going to throw something in there like a character's death or somebody being poisoned we're going to do a twist on the end that's like unlike any other twist we've ever done before, which I remember watching the first time. And, and it being something you almost applaud. You're like, oh, like I'm glad I stuck with this show. Or I'm one of, maybe who knows if you're one, because this was the highest rated season. So there are people watching season five that aren't going to enjoy this twist the way that those longtime fans are. And I remember even applauding that at the time being like, this is for the fans. And I, well, I think in your great point of putting that out, because I think this maybe is the last real occasion that 24 24- bookends a season in a in a in a great way that kind of like it takes what it does at the beginning and the highs maybe a few lows down the bottom but then kind of like it feels and we know this show isn't planned out from day one to day 24 but it feels like they had a plan and they stuck to it because next season is not the case season seven (laughs) is not the case season eight somewhat but not the case and season nine the whole uh live another day they had a shorter time period to do it. They, they had, had to. Half of the episodes, but like, like uh, I can't wait to get to that season. I'm very defensive of that season all of a sudden. But anyway, it's, and I think that the threads that they tie up are done in such a way that you're like, okay, yep. And I think there's that, the one twist that I alluded to in this episode, which is just, it blows you away if you don't remember it. But I will say, it's one of these things that next season they will repeat and it makes you mad because it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, we've already done that and you're doing that again, seriously. Um, so anyway, that's next week. In the meantime, this week we mentioned it, Notting Hill. This week it takes place on a submarine. Uh, that'll be <laughs> that'll be this week, um, which, again, I, I know Colin's watched it. We haven't recorded the episode yet and he's not telling me any of his opinions because this is the only one he had not seen and I absolutely love Notting Hill, so... We'll be doing the recap of that this week. Our Blue Beetle review was out last week and other things that are happening. So next week, the finale. And then obviously we get into uh, the season recap, all the fun stuff there. Like, subscribe, do all the fun stuff that you do. And thank you for tuning in. My name is Ben and I'm an engineer. I'm not trained for that. 
My name is Colin, and why don't you surprise me and not screw it up? Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.